on today's episode of Shooting the Breeze. Severe weather season has awoken in central Illinois. We'll talk about some of the severe thunderstorms that rolled across central Illinois on Father's Day weekend. And we'll even probably talk about some of the tornado activity, not just here, but also up in Chicago. So sit back, relax, and let's shoot the breeze with your local weather authority. Good day, mates. What's up? I was going to do a funny one. <laughs> ha, he beat you to it. I, I'm terrible at the uh, the accents, but uh, I'm your local weather authority, Chief Meteorologist Chris Yates, joined by Meteorologist Molly Naisley. Hello again. And Meteorologist Adam Sherwinski. All right, all right, all right. There it is. Adam, how you doing? We all caught up on sleep? Just about. Just about. Feeling better, better today than I did yesterday. Yesterday was also... A Monday, and so was, you had it like double. And I was also in earlier than normal. I was in by before eight o'clock yesterday. Ugh. After getting home about one o'clock, I fell asleep about one thirty that morning. So I saw our morning producer before I left, as she got in, and I saw her when I got back when she was about to leave. <laughs> yep. So that, that's that's yeah, a sign. That those been, are those are the long days. I I yeah yeah you'll run into a few of those where you're like, hi, yep. welcome to work. Hi, welcome to. Hi, it was just here. I've yeah. seen you twice already. Seen today. you twice today, and then uh, I know um, Adam and I worked a lot, but hey, Molly was there too on, yes. s- on Sunday. Yes. So thank you for coming in, Molly. I stopped in to check on you guys on yeah. Friday too. And she did. That's right. She did. Um, she got me water. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I saw I, that my my golden chalice was filled. Yeah. Golden chalice. Okay. <laughs> Not really. It's just a great. It's a great mug though. Great the, cup. It's a red one, it's right? A big red cup. Yeah. Not a red solo cup. Just wanna. Just no, no, that. yeah, not a red solos. <laughs> That's for the after work. We should do our picture. Where we just show all our water bottles because I got a big old jug that yeah, I just drink lined out. Lined up in the weather center. I've got my water bottle in here. Yes. Like. Styling. The thing looks like it keeps things cold for like forty years in a, like a storm time cellar. Yes. Time capsule. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, get started first on this day in history. 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 Oh, goodness. Uh, June 20th, so not too far away, a while ago. Uh, today's the 21st, correct? We're recording this? 22nd. 22nd. So that was on Sunday. It, I, I'm telling you, man, this, this since Friday, it's all yeah. been one giant day. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Let's get right into it. June 20th, 1957, an F4 tornado cut a swath through Fargo, North Dakota, killing 10 and injuring at least 103 people. This was in a northern, the more, northernmost confirmed F5 tornado until the Ellie Manitoba tornado on June 22, 2007. So a little bit of little far north action there with uh, tornadoes. And a lot of these are tornadoes. And this is another good one. Uh, June 17, 2014, scattered but intense tornadic activity occurred in the northern plains, stretching all the way from Montana into New York. So that's a big swath, and even parts of northern Illinois in that as well. A likely violent wedge EF3 scoured ground and leveling buildings near Coolridge, New England. Another beautiful and intense wedge near Capital, Montana, also produced EF3 damage and farmland. And farmland. So, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're in that time of year where we're talking about tornadoes. June 15, 1991, the second largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century began as Mount I'm gonna butcher this. Let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. Okay, Molly, you gonna want to read it that one? Pinatubo. Pinatubo. We're gonna go with Pinatubo. 
erupted, injecting uh, up to 15 to 30 million tons of sulfur dioxide, 100,000 feet in the atmosphere. 343 people were killed in the Philippines due to the eruptions, and 200,000 were left homeless. So that's uh, another one. And this is a personal favorite because we've been gone since uh, this one came out, but this is one of my favorites because uh, it's a very picturesque mm-hmm. uh, storm. June 16th, 2014, an incredibly powerful and cyclic supercell produced four violent tornadoes near Stanton and Pilger, Nebraska. So for much of the storm's lifetime, multiple EF4s were down at the same time. We had two twin tornadoes, a lot of pictures of twin tornadoes and video of twin tornadoes at the same time. Uh, bad news was, though, that two were killed as one of the tornadoes struck Pilger directly. So, Yeah, it was if you ever get a chance to, to search for those images, and maybe we can post them. That, those storms uh, are that. I've never seen anything like that until that picture came out, and they're, until, until those storm chasers were. Yeah. It's rare to get two at the same time, but have two that were robust very, and very, very large, very large yeah. tornadoes. That's why I mean, it's very. It was it's a one very of those, photogenic. It's storm. one of those things you're like, yeah, that only happens in movies. And you're like, what? oh, that's not a movie. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> wow, yeah, so. it's, that was that was uh, quite impressive. All right, well, we did well dodging severe weather season for a little bit for a while. We we've gotten about uh, I don't know at least a third of the way through without. A single warning. Uh, and then suddenly it was, hey, all at once. Just a reminder that it is severe weather season. Uh, so, yes, uh, we had severe thunderstorms develop across central Illinois Friday night and uh, continue into very early Saturday morning. And then we had a little break Saturday afternoon. And then uh, Father's Day we had some more, which could have been a lot, lot worse. Uh, mm-hmm. At least Friday was locally. looking pretty bad. And fry, yeah, uh, but um, it all kind of depends on uh, on other things. But hey, let's let's go ahead and go over what happened Friday night. Um, that really flared up as expected. That that went about as we were calling it all day. I know we always tend to, you know, when we start uh, talking severe weather season or severe thunderstorms are in the forecast. If you don't get them by seven or eight o'clock at night, people assume nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to. It's important to, hey, no, this is strictly, this is going to happen overnight. I know we don't typically see that, but that's what's going to happen tonight. A nocturnal event. Yep. And those are more dangerous because people are... Asleep. Asleep. They're, they don't see it. They're, they've got their TVs off and, you know... They're in bed. They're in weaker structures, too. Usually homes are not as well or solidly built. Some homes, especially older homes yep. that are wood, aren't as solidly built as office buildings or um, places like that, like a school mm-hmm. or a hospital. So we've got a we got a list of reports, but here's how you know we had our first severe thunderstorm warning issued around 10:30. That was for a a storm that popped up ahead of the main line in southeastern Knox County. It was a for quarter sized hail of 60 mile per hour winds. We never got any reports out of that. I think we did we did get some hail reports mm-hmm. uh, in areas like Elmwood, but I don't think we ever were able to confirm the size. Think, right. Um, maybe nickel the I would I would estimate nickel the quarter would have been what we had but we had a hard time getting those uh, reports verified um, but our first official storm report came in from galesburg uh, 11 29 p.m uh, with a gust of 58 miles per hour and so we had thunderstorms that started to develop around 10 30 in south central iowa and then around uh 10 40 ish they started to develop closer to the mississippi river and then those were the ones that really started to to head our direction and was actually the storm that caused uh, most of the significant damage, uh, at least west of the Illinois River. Uh, so that 
uh, thunderstorm that developed along the Mississippi River went through Galesburg, producing high winds, very heavy rain, and uh, probably some hail. I don't, I ne- we didn't again didn't get very many uh, hail reports. There's probably a couple reasons for that. A because there was a lot of rain in the storm, there was a lot of wind, and I don't think there's going to be very many people venturing outside to go grab hail in a storm like that. I hope you're not. No. And so, and whatever hail there was probably would have melted very, very quickly given how hot and humid it was. It was gross Friday. <clears throat> it was. It was. Uh, so, 58 mile per hour gust in Galesburg. Uh, about 11 minutes later in Abingdon, Illinois, we started getting reports of tree and power line damage. Uh, the same out in St. Augustine. Several trees snapped. Barn was heavily damaged, and they were estimating wind speeds of 80 to 90 miles per hour. Uh, so, one thing that we were we were kind of trying to let people make people aware these are going to be very severe thunderstorms. You're going to get a severe thunderstorm warning, but they're not going to be your typical. Well, it's not a tornado warning. I'm not going to worry about it. These were the kind of storms and warnings that we're like, no, you need to treat these like tornado warnings because 80 to 90 mile per hour winds. And I can't, and I still hear it today. I swore, you know, we had folks saying, I swear we had a tornado in Canton given the wind damage. I'm like, no, that's that was the wind. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a tornado. A lot of people seem to underestimate the power of these straight line winds. And in some cases, much what we had on Friday night, uh, those straight line winds are actually worse because the damage is far more widespread than, say, an isolated tornado. All right, so uh, we had, uh, we first, uh, the tornado officially, uh, we did get a tornado out of that storm. It touched down just east of Abingdon and drifted southeast for about 15 minutes and lifted uh, just to the, pull up the actual, uh, lifted near Illinois 97 and the Knox-Fulton County line around 12.05. So that was on the ground at 11.50 and lifted at 12.05. The tornado warning came out to around 11.57, 11.58. So the tornado warning was issued, uh, the, the tornado was all, already underway when the warning came out. So the warning was a little late. Now, the Weather Service, though, did issue, when they issued that severe thunderstorm warning, they said tornado possible because mm-hmm. the storm was rotating. It was just very broad on radar, and it was clear that the storm's bigger threat was the damaging winds. So when you guys see those warnings, those severe thunderstorm warnings, don't just write them off because there's a lot of information tucked back into them. And when we're on TV, we're the ones that are relaying all that extra information, not just telling you a severe thunderstorm warning. And our CI Proud to Go mobile app likely would have alerted you to all that extra stuff as well. One thing I wanted to note about that tornado, too, I don't know if I'm, I'm getting ahead of the conversation, but um, one thing I noticed, too, is that we were talking about this while we were going through. Uh, that RFD uh, of that was could have landed a pretty solid punch alone, let alone if it was a tornado. I mean, EF1 is pretty low on the scale, but, I mean, that RFD coming behind it, that's a lot of wind. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. So the tornado had was an EF1 winds of 110 miles per hour. Uh, the the RFD was packing a punch of of 80 to 90 mile per hour winds. Now, mm-hmm. while that sounds a little better, that's over a longer duration period of time. Right. So you're instead of getting a tornado that maybe lasts 20 seconds, you might be getting 80 to 90 mile per hour wind gusts for a good three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And that's a lot for trees and buildings to withstand. And so, um, in the straight line winds, again, there we we treat them. You got to take them seriously. I mean, we the biggest thunderstorm disaster to ever hit the U.S. was last year's derecho. Mm-hmm. 
that went through central Iowa and northern Illinois. You know, that was all straight-line winds. Of course, there were some small tornadoes in there, Those, but the wind damage, the straight-line winds at times were stronger than the tornado wind speeds. So um, it's just something to, to keep in mind that uh, these straight-line winds, they, they should not be treated lightly. Some of the photos um, that people were submitting to us and that reporters took were fully grown trees that were either uprooted or just snapped. Yep. And look, sometimes, I mean, I was looking at some photos, and I'm like, man, that does, it looks like tornado damage, but you have to really see it from a bird's eye view with a drone, or you need to go out and, and, and see it yourself and see how the debris is laid out. Mm-hmm. But those 80, 90 per hour winds will snap and carry trees. Yes. They're, they're not going to, uh, the tornadoes will spin the debris in a certain way. And so you'll have trees laying in different directions over a great area. Uh, we had one viewer reach out, and I saw this in the comments. I don't, I don't think I've responded or had a chance to respond, but he mentioned he had trees that were laying in different directions within 30 feet of each other. Um, this was in an area, though, where the RFD was. This, I, I, I think it was near Canton. It might have been in the Glassford area. But that, yeah, you might say it was tornado, but I have to see what what's going on around you mm-hmm. because the wind is going to swirl a little bit when it's pushing through there's you know it is technically still straight line winds but 30 feet i don't know if that's going to be big enough we you'd like to see a larger area than that you know if there's uh if there's buildings or if the trees were leaning a certain way you know there's a number of ways those trees can fall and orient differently but uh, just things to to keep in mind and the national weather service went out and the emergency managers went out and did damage surveys and they only found damage uh, from one tornado that night. And it corresponds well with what was on radar. And usually with tornadoes, a clear indicator is the path. You can see where it was going. Yeah. You know, there isn't usually a, whereas damage is all over the place, <clears throat> it's got a little bit more of a orientation to it to say, okay, there's something there. If you compare, because we, we've done this, um, satellite imagery of a tornado versus satellite imagery of straight line winds or the duratio you can see with the duratio the corn that iowa had prior to it and afterwards it was a massive almost full statewide swath that was just gone versus with the tornado it's a much narrower path comparatively Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. large but it's a much narrower and more straight line path instead of just like a wave going through uh you can definitely see that on like visible satellite yeah it's a, it's, I mean, I wasn't there to analyze the data myself, but the weather service, I'm, I know they did their, their surveys and, and Fulton County emergency manager is really good at doing all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, that stuff that we, uh, they only came back with one tornado report. I, I, I believe it. All right. Um, that storm though, continued to produce uh, winds up to 80 miles per hour. This was through uh, London Mills. Uh, of course, the Ingersoll Scout Camp was out there. was a big concern during the coverage. We had multiple times people asking about the camp, asking about the camp, yep. and asking about afterwards what happened to the camp because it was pretty close. Uh, so we've got uh, – that would have been nasty for anybody going through, but uh, thankfully nobody was hurt because they acted. They were they sent everybody to shelters, but Good. the, damage, the uh, campground did sustain some significant damage. And, again, not due to the tornado. The tornado was a few miles north of them. That was the – the straight line winds associated with the rear flank downdraft of the storm. Um, London Mills had a lot of farm equipment, buildings damaged, uh, lines blown into fields. Uh, that storm then went on to Fairview, multiple trees, power lines down in that area. 
Uh, we had significant roof and siding damage, tree power line damage throughout the town of Canton. Uh, in Peoria, we only gusted up to 51 miles per hour. That was out at the airport. If you were further north than that, you're probably going, what storm? <laughs> I mean, oh, you saw the light show yeah. Yeah, and you heard it. But, uh, I mean, I had some 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 leaf debris, I know, in my parking lot at uh, at home. But it, it was it was far less than anything that would have happened just a few miles off to the south. Um, I mean, 51 is below the criteria used for severe thunderstorms. Yeah. 58 miles per hour is the... My uh, my bedroom windows face directly west, and I woke up in the middle of the night and was texting Adam. I was like, "Hey, how's it going over there?" And I was seeing the light show, and I just looked out the window. I'm like, "Ah, oh, hi, cool. I'm gonna yeah. leave now." Yeah, my wife my wife enjoyed the light show as well. She was uh, she was watching it from home. Yeah, we live on the north side of town, so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pekin got hit hard uh, as well. Uh, we had numerous trees down on cars and and, and roofs. The Avanti's uh, dome. The Avanti's dome went down. I'm not sure how how what the what that is rated for as far as storm wise, um, but uh, it I've never I don't think I've seen that yet here. And we Pekin's been through some pretty good storms. So yeah, they have. Um, but uh, so yeah, that was that was brought down. And uh, we had uh, 77 mile per hour wind gusts reported. This was at 12:58 in Tremont. Uh, that was right as the storm, I think, was gusting out and was finally, it was, it had lost its supercell characteristics and was, uh, whatever rain and hail was in there was was coming down to the ground and then so we had some microburst activity out of it. Uh, Brian lost his tree. Our photog, yep. one of our photogs, lost a tree in front of his his favorite tree. Also, oh, oh man, that's the worst. He's like, why couldn't it take down the other tree? The tree I didn't really care for. <laughs> what would have been a half hour drop, uh, hour to a half hour job turned into like a whole day job with the other tree because yeah. it's bigger. Uh, so yeah, Tremont seventy seven. But here's interesting: uh, Mackinac just down the road uh, from Tremont, fifty eight miles per hour. So, you know, that was a localized event. The the storm was gusting out, kind of losing its uh, losing its punch a little bit as it moved east and it moved into McLean County. Then we had some additional stuff kind of fire up behind it. Uh, that was more microbursty uh, than anything. Is that the official term? Microbursty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so far, uh, unless anything's changed since uh, since our storm reports, uh, we've only had one confirmed tornado, but a lot of wind damage and, and a lot of wind damage, far southern Peoria County, Fulton County especially I think I hit the hardest, and southern Knox and then into into western and central Tazewell counties um, had the bulk of the damage from that storm. My parents are uh, on the northern side of Galesburg. They got an inch and a half of rain. No wind damage. No wind damage. In town, there was a lot of wind damage. They didn't have any, but they got an inch and a half of rain in their rule, so. Yeah, it was uh, watching that Galesburg camera when that storm rolled in. It was just a matter of time because we lost the camera at one point. Oh, well. The, the lightning was impressive. The lightning was was, was wild. I always get a, uh, a a mild chuckle whenever any of our cameras go down during thunderstorms because we know it's usually wind-related. And we're like, ah, oh, okay, that's how fast the winds yeah, wind are. Wind li- and or lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Because those cameras are often the the tallest objects on one of the taller buildings. Yeah, <laughs> I will say it is impressive when you watch. Uh, there was a couple of uh, cameras. I don't remember which ones exactly, um, but you could see uh, the water hit the lens just right, and so it looked kind of trippy to see the storms rolling. Like, okay, we can clearly see there's something here, but it's all weird and wobbly. Then, you know, that was probably 
if it was weird and wobbly, it was probably the East Peoria camera. Oh, yeah. Because that was, one shakes like crazy. But it wasn't shaking. It was just like the water, the way it moves a little bit on the screen. That one faces, it's in East Peoria, but it faces back directly into Peoria. And that one always gets waterlogged. Yeah, that doesn't surprise. All right. Uh, speaking of rainfall totals, this was the good news that came out of this. Um, at least not, I mean, not everybody got got rain that would, they would have liked, but we had a lot of one to three inch reports along and south of I-74. Uh, so that that's good news. Uh, Peoria only came in with uh, 0.9 inches of rain out of that. Again, that's the airport's total. It was less if, as you went further north. Bloomington, uh, less than three quarters of an inch officially. Uh, but we did get some reports uh, in the Bloomington area over an inch. Elmwood over an inch, Yates City more than an inch and a quarter, about an inch and a half in Hayworth, Tremont uh, nearly two along with Mackinac, Danvers nearly two, and then Avon, Galesburg, Knoxville, and Pekin between two and three inches, and Canton coming in at three or over three inches of rain out of that. So um, some good welcome rain for those who at least got it. Uh, then uh, we had some more storms on Father's Day. Uh, those Boo. that was a very complicated uh, situation because we didn't really know what was going to happen with with the first round. We knew we were going to get another round coming in at night. That was we knew we were going to get something with that. The first round there was a big wild card because it was part of an MCV, which is a mesoscale convective vortex, and those have a tendency to be unpredictable. And so this is why we were in we were prepared because we're not going to. We're, if something's going to happen, we're going to be here for it. So we were here for it in case something happened. Uh, even the Storm Prediction Center around 11 o'clock gave us a, an 80% chance of a watch being issued. And based on their wording, it sounded like it would have been a tornado watch because had that MCV fired back up, conditions were really, really good for tornadoes in central Illinois. It was just all timing out right. And so everybody was kind of on edge watching this thing, and then it didn't fire up until it got out into Indiana, which is good because that – meant that we were a little less busy Sunday afternoon. And even Indiana, uh, they didn't get their tornado no. warnings until later in the day. Yeah. The conditions out there were not quite as conducive for tornadoes until the uh, until the mid-level jet finally pushed east of the air, you know, east of Illinois. The mid-level jet would have driven our tornado threat. It didn't arrive into Indiana and Michigan until later. So that was uh, that. Was that. Uh, then, of course, we had the squall line that, that was rather broken, Squall line. Uh, we had a handful of warnings in our western counties. Fulton County got a warning. I don't know if we ever got any severe reports out of it, uh, but it was it was the same area that was hit just the you know a couple nights before. So uh, that was it. It wasn't as severe. Now those storms, the most severe stuff with this came up towards the Chicago area. Uh, yeah. Chicago area and Iowa were the two yep. spots I got. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just before they crossed the river. Once they crossed the river, they seemed to lose steam when they got to us. And then when they got to uh, Chicago, they were pretty they, bad. They really ramped up there. That uh, Some folks asked a good question. Why is Chicago getting – why did Chicago get it and not us? Um, looking at the atmospheric soundings uh, where the weather balloons are released, there was less of a cap along Interstate 80 than there was further south. Uh, we had a, a capping inversion. Again, it could have been – it was breakable if we had – a little bit more forcing. If we had something to force it through, the cold front just came through. I think a little too late for us to, for our storms to really blow up. For a, those along Interstate 80, they had a couple of different things working for them. Uh, the shear was was about the same as it was here, but the cap was weaker, 
They had a cold front, but they also had a warm front. Yeah, they were closer to the warm front than we were. And that is uh, key. That's why where that tornado happened, it was along the warm front. So the warm front was lifting through the Chicago metro area at the time that that those storms developed. And as soon as those storms get on that warm front, that's where your winds turn just enough at the surface for that rotation to, to really spin up. It's a... A little bit of a stark reminder that tornadoes don't just happen in rural areas. They happen in very compacted cities. I I think a lot of people that I know, I mean, I was contacting people because that's closer to where I live. I had a friend that lives uh, not too far from Woodridge that got hit by the EF3. Um, But uh, my mom and dad live in northwest Indiana, too. So, I I mean, they they got a tornado warning. Nothing happened at their place. But it was like one of those, like, hey, by the way, just you have a tornado warning. And it's pretty big. It covers most of the county so you might want to just yeah it's good to be safe with those i mean uh we were watching that big one unfold the it was it was an ef3 they're going to finish their survey but um, i don't think they're going to increase the the rate on that they're just trying to figure out when it started and when it ended they found the worst damage and kind of started there and so they're kind of you know they're going to figure out how long that thing was on the ground for Um, but there was another one that popped up in plainfield that night and it went and moved southeast for a couple of miles. It lifted like a m- couple miles west of their weather service office in Romeoville. Yeah, they. There, I was gonna say they just put out today. There, the other day they put out like the survey from it, and it was like an EF zero. But EF zero. It's close. I went back. I was looking at the date. I'm like, there's a couplet there. Now it wasn't warned. That part of the cell wasn't warned, and I didn't. I didn't see it during. I. It was not until I was going back. You know, the next day rolling through that i finally saw it because it was so close to the radar site it's hard to it gets really hard to make out stuff gets muddled a little there's a lot of there's a lot of clutter you know you got turbines and wind turbines and you got buildings and stuff and cars car and so it was hard to but is there and i'm glad nobody was hurt because that <laughs> a couple of people i went to college with uh one wasn't didn't live far from woodridge and they only had a little bit of tree damage but they just bought their house a week before that those storms so that sunday before um and then another friend of mine he lives in i think his family lives in or around naperville so not far from woodridge at all. Wood, wood ridge at all i had to say it i had to say it in my head and re-say it again <laughs> um but not far from there at all and their parent his parents house has got pretty significant damage yeah. still standing but i mean you can tell there was a tornado through there uh, so far it doesn't sound like there were any um any deaths i know there were a few some injuries there were some injuries but you know what that is a miracle given yeah no, how populated that area is no fatalities um there were severe injuries but last uh was reported that the people with the severe injuries it looks like They're they are re- going to make it and everything good. yeah that's a you know anytime you get something like that uh, we had debris up to thirteen thousand feet. Uh, we can, I, excuse me. I got a post of this on on Facebook. You can go back and check that out, and we'll post it on CI Proud if we can. Uh, but you can see the rotation, and you can see where the debris is within that. Uh, the timestamp when I grab that capture, uh, the debris. You can see most of the debris is kind of hunkered down near the bottom of the tornado, which means that the updraft, the storm was probably weakening at that time, even though the rotation was very broad. Um, but when, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? When a tornado broadens out, the rotation, you would, or at least the updraft is probably weakening because it's not as tightly wrapped up. And so that as it as it kind of loses its momentum, the the spin gets a little gets a little fatter, and so the debris field gets scattered more instead of being in a very narrow cone of the of the updraft. 
Uh, you kind of think of that as, a, as an ice skater on ice. When their hands are tightly wrapped in, they're spinning really, really fast. And then when they expand their, their arms out, they kind of slow down a little bit. The same thing would happen with a tornado. You can do the same thing in an office chair, but it's not recommended. Not recommended. All right. Uh, so th- we'll see if that, we'll see what happens as those reports continue to trickle in. The National Weather Service in Chicago, um, great work to them, by the way, on that uh, on severe weather coverage. And for Lincoln on Friday night for us, I think everybody's done a really good job uh, with this with severe weather season finally uh, flipping the on switch there. I don't know if we were waiting in anticipation or not. No. no. We were we were just hoping it would pass us by. That would have been a really cool story to go through a whole year without a single severe thunderstorm warning in our viewing area. Yeah. That would have been fun. Uh, but uh, so, nope, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we've got more opportunities later this week. Uh, so we'll see what, what, what kind of happens in the future there. Um, another uh, quick topic of conversation, um, outdoor storm sirens. And I, let me rephrase, outdoor sirens, because they're not necessarily designed just for storms. No, they're, they're emergency sirens. They're, they're, emergency they're pretty sirens. general. There is a list. There is a number of reasons they will sound those. Um, and, it's, uh, and it varies from county to county. And so we had a lot of folks ask, why aren't the sirens sounding in my area? Why didn't they go off here? Why didn't they go off there? Now, look, I'm not – there's no – blame towards anybody because every it, every re, every county has their reasons for sounding sirens and 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 not sounding them and I don't know what their criteria is and I'm not going to pretend to know and that's their job that's not mine uh, but it is important to remember that those sirens are strictly designed for outdoor use and so there seems to be a lot of people who want to who won't act until they hear those sirens and that is a very very bad and a very dangerous habit to get into those sirens are not supposed to to be the the official that yeah something's coming it, that is just to get you inside so you can actually start watching tv or you know turn on the tv turn on a radio a weather radio to hear what's coming your way and if you're if you are if your first thing is well i see the warning on tv but i'm not doing anything until i hear the sirens well now you're setting yourself up for something bad to happen mm-hmm. uh, so we you know there's actually been some counties in the southeast that have actually started decommissioning their sirens because people have a they're very expensive to maintain they're very outdated technologies dating all the way back i believe to the 50s um and so they're they're their technology has advanced. You can use apps, your phones. Uh, some counties, I don't know if this is, if we have anything like this, at least in central Illinois. Maybe a story idea, though, Adam, we could look into. I'll have to look into it. If we have any county, if uh, any counties have warnings or have some sort of sign-up system and for text alerts and stuff. I have heard places are just starting to do that, too. And but, I think uh, not, I don't know about here, but I'll have to, and I'll have to look into it. But there have been places I've done that. I've seen yeah. somewhere talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing: I'm not a huge fan still of relying on tech service uh, because that's going to be delayed. When if you're in a very populated area and you're you're getting information through a through a weather app or a tech service, that all has to go through a cell tower. And if if there are thousands and thousands of people receiving that same alert. Through their service, it is going to. There's going to be a clutter, and there's going to be a, a, a bottleneck of data information feeding through that tower. So you might not get that warning until 45 minutes after the fact, and the by then it's too late. Delay 
from our station, I know for a fact, I don't know if it will change from place to place, the delay from us saying something on TV to us saying that same thing on your TV is five seconds. Yep. You're going to get our warnings, which come directly from the National Weather Service, a lot faster than you're going to get any warning that might be from the National Weather Service via a mobile app. Via a mobile app, yep. So our over-the-air signal, you'll get that within five seconds. Now, if you're watching on Facebook, and we've run into this a few times as well, people will say, why are you guys talking about how this might be warned? It already is warned. Well, that's because there is a two-minute delay in the Facebook live stream. Mm -hmm. So whatever you are watching on our Facebook streams, keep in mind that happened two minutes ago. And that can get worse with that with, bandwidth bottleneck. When the bandwidth starts to bottleneck, that's going to be even more delayed. So we we are we it is a backup, but I would not make Facebook or any stream your mm -hmm. steady f flow of information. Now, taking it with you into a storm shelter is one thing. And that's what we we recommend you watch us over the air. And then when the warning is issued and we ask you to go to shelter, then you take that stream with you or turn up your TV. Yeah, or turn so up you your TV. Now the number one, the number one, um, your number one line of defense is a weather radio because that is going to go off like our broadcast, uh, our over-the-air signal. That will go off no matter what. That there's no broadband issue there. There's no bandwidth issue. Uh, so whatever, whenever the warning is issued, those weather radios will go off. So that radio goes off. And then you can turn to our app, which has live streaming capabilities now. Or you can turn to our to our Facebook page, which we hope to have, you know, which is up and running typically, and uh, you know you can follow along there. You can also turn on the TV to see where everything is at. So mm -hmm. there's a number of sources there for you, but you need to get a weather radio. Do not rely on the outdoor storm sirens. And I know it's been frustrating for Central Illinoisans lately because we've had, um, especially out in McLean County, the Bloomington transmitter is still down due to lightning damage from earlier in the year, and there's no estimated time for that to come up. Uh, so, But if you have a weather radio, see if you can get a signal from a nearby tower in Peoria, Odell, up in, up in Livingston County, uh, Springfield, and, Champaign. In, and Champaign. Now, Champaign uh, will give you signal in DeWitt County. Yeah. Uh, but Bloomington depends on where you're at in that area, whether or not you'll get a signal. Uh, so th in this case, your next line of defense is going to be our mobile app. Mm -hmm. And we're on TV, and like, we... There is a reason we do nonstop live streams during these severe weather events, so people can tune in as need be. Uh, we're there for you. We're not there to hype up a storm. We're just we have new capabilities with live streaming. We're going to use it. Um, how many times do you see a post from Facebook that's four days old? Too often. Too often. That no longer applies to you. Man, so, I get those when they're like happy birthday posts from like a week and a <laughs> half ago. It's like, man, that was like June third. So. We said, you know what, we're not going to just post severe thunderstorm warnings across all our social media platforms and then just, it, it, you're not going to, what's going to happen, the Facebook alg algorithm is going to stop sending you our stuff. It's also time consuming, too. It's very mm -hmm. time consuming. We're just like, you know, we'll leave a stream up. You can come in when the warning is issued for you. You can come in, check in, see what's going on. And if you have to, step out. We're not offended if the numbers on the stream come down. We'd like to see you stay and watch. That's fine. But we do see the numbers come up when the warning said that's what's there for. All we're trying to do is provide multiple sources. You've got your, I mean, if you've got your phone, you've got a weather radio, you've got us, you've got social media, you've got your, I mean, if you, the more lines of alert that you have, the better aware you're going to yep. be. And we're just trying to provide as many as we can with our app, with our yep. social media, with our live stream, with going on TV, with just in general. I mean, and no, nothing's going to be perfect. 
Nothing's no. going to be nothing is mm-hmm. nothing is going to be perfect. It, there's you know, you get a good even if the sirens let's say went off. What if they did set them off but lightning took it out before it got, you know, before the tower, the siren nearest to you was struck by lightning and then didn't work anymore. Uh, redundancy. We just ask that you have multiple multiple ways of receiving of receiving this information. Uh, it's also a good idea because the sirens going off uh, varies county to county. Familiar, familiarize yourself with what your county's mm-hmm. requirements and expectations yeah. are, um, because there are some counties that'll just si- that'll sound it for seventy mile an hour winds. Yep, there's some that'll do it for seventy five. There are some that'll do it for every severe thunderstorm warning. Mm-hmm. It, it varies, and it varies maybe on the population um, of of the cities in the in that in those counties. So, and, and look, that's not a. I'm not a. There's no attacking anybody for that. The emergency managers that night, that I thought, did fantastic. I think everybody did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it's up to you. Ultimately, it comes down to you finding ways to make sure you have or taking advantage of the multiple ways to receive warning information instead of of the one oldest form, which is the storm or the emergency sirens dating all the way back to the 50s. So... <laughs> I would I would try to find something that's a little bit more recent. If your county still uses the sirens, that's great. That's just another line of defense. But I wouldn't be relying on those because they're not designed. I live just a block away from the ones near that by me, and I can't hear them during an actual storm. Yeah, I can hear them before. I can hear them during the test, but not during an actual storm. Um. So, and I, you guys can attest uh, my living situation. I can hear everything. So, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, that's just not designed for the tones are not designed for that kind of kind of, kind of use. Especially, and, and we saw that perfectly with with Friday's thunderstorms. There was too much wind. There was too much rain. There was too much lightning and thunder. There was too much ambient noise surrounding that for it to really cut through. Yeah, and then you, you know those you know there's a number of reasons why those things go down. I mean they. Even if they are sounded, maybe they just don't get the power source gets cut. I mean, there's a number depending on what the storm does. You know, you, even the weather radio towers. I mean, we one got struck is damaged due to lightning, that, mm-hmm. and that's still that's the one in Bloomington. So we multiple ways. It's up to you to protect yourself, protect your family. We're going to be there. We're going to continue to be there to, to provide information, but it's really up to you guys to find a way to 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 get that information. We, it's out there. It's always being put out there. You just got to get it, and we try to make it as easy as possible for you to use it. All right. We good? Yeah. All we right, well, uh, we're not going to do – let's not do a joke because we did have some pretty serious weather this past week. Yeah, that yep. was that was heavy. It was a little heavy. Uh, hopefully this next uh, podcast will be uh, later in the week, will be a little a little more cheery. And, and that we have time for it and we don't get – don't get don't get pushed off again due to severe uh-huh. severe weather or missing a member of the team. Oh yeah, you were gone. I was gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next time we'll just do it without him. <laughs> hey, I told you guys you could do it without me that one <laughs> time. Oh, and everyone was like, no, 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 it's not fun. It's your local weather authority, not Chris and Adam, talk for twenty minutes about whatever. And that's no. what you guys do every afternoon. Yeah, but you're not here. No. No, we but we want. But you're supposed to be here for this. Yay! Yeah. So anyway, well, thank you all for for tuning in and joining us on our podcast next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. We'll find out. When we'll it find happens. out when it happens. This is how we roll. 
Y'all have a great afternoon, <laughs> morning, night, whenever you're listening. We're signing off. See ya.